Welcome to this special happy hour edition of the Down the Pub podcast. Chris spoke to East Coast Music Award nominee and Glace Bay native Mitchell Bailey about his rap career so far and where he sees the future lying for himself. Make sure to check out Mitch's new single, All In, featuring Sean John, coming out this Friday. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe. Now on with the show. I'm in one, two, three, four, five, and six. We just count down the days till we all rich. I'ma buy mama house and one for me too. Fuck you all, get a house up for Winfrey, do ya? Do ya? More colder than you used to. A booster, looser for the ones who never too hot. Tupac still alive, ever been to Cuba? He's with his guy smoking louder than a tuba. Prouder than our pants, seeing gowns with our crowns while they count down days till we get around a Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Kids in the Hall version of the Down the Pub podcast. I'm your host, Chris Searle. We've given Anthony the episode off, if you will, from editing and having to deal with all the behind the scenes work. But before we get going, I wanted to shout Anthony out for all the hard work that he's put into this show and for giving me the opportunity for and to be a part of it. Um, Today, I am blessed to be in the technological presence, um, although we would prefer to do this in person, of, in my opinion, a Cape Breton legend. Uh, an East Coast Music Award nominated rapper, and in my opinion, an overall damn good guy, even though we've never actually met met yet, brother, but that's the way your music is. Um, introducing, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mitchell Bailey. Welcome to the show, bro. Yo, thank you for having me, my friend. Appreciate you doing this, man. Like I was saying to you off the shot, this is my first actual solo go doing this, so it's going to be kind of a pop and chase and everything, but I'm excited to have you on. Um, You've been somebody I've been listening to for the last few years. I can't even say months now. You hit close to home with me in a lot of your topics, a lot of your subjects. And I think that's why you resonate with so many people on the East Coast. So I know this sounds like something you'd say at the end of the show, but keep up the good work, brother. Yeah, man, that's a perfect outro intro. I appreciate that. No, man, appreciate you, brother. We've we've had a couple of Cape Breton University athletes on the show over the last couple of weeks, so this kind of fits into our whole unofficial Cape Breton theme that we've been following over the last couple of weeks. But I wanted to pretty much dive right into the most generic question. Growing up in Glace Bay, of all places on planet Earth, how did hip-hop hit you? Um, I think that maybe, I, I don't even know if it's really like a geographic answer, but I think it was just basically like, I that was that was my music of choice when I was playing sports and when I was playing soccer and stuff like when I would go toward when I was driving to a game or something in my headphones I was listening to you know Eminem or Jay Z or I I mean originally actually hip hop first was really introduced to me because the first music I ever voluntarily listened to was Linkin Park and they were always a blend of rap and heavier rock so I started listening to Linkin Park and then I kind of got into Fort Minor which is like Mike Shinoda's uh, project, uh, unrelated to Lincoln Park. And that was all hip hop. So I enjoyed that. And then I kind of sixth grade, I think I was getting into Eminem and then like seventh grade, uh, I started listening to Jay-Z and then I kind of started branching out and, and discovering other artists. And that was around the same time when Drake's thank me later came out. So it's just interesting that like Drake's earlier career was kind of also a part of like my introduction to the genre as a whole. So like, I really, when he was coming out was like when I was really getting into hip-hop so uh, i started writing when i was 14 and i waited like a whole year before i decided to record and put anything out because i wanted to make sure that that uh, my I, that other people would enjoy the stuff as well so like i wanted to be able to know like okay i like it because i listen to a lot of hip-hop and this is good now i'm confident you know 
putting out my first impression for people. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of like, that's like the big, very beginning, beginning story. Um, as far as like, just like in person stuff, like, I don't know if the, I wasn't really, there wasn't like any like shows that I was going to or anything like, yeah, that's, that's kind of why I was like, I brought up, I know you said it's not a geographical thing, but that's why I brought up the Glace Bay thing because I, I always am fascinated by rappers from New Brunswick, Newfoundland and in Cape Breton, even though you guys are the same province as us, you don't really have that deep hip hop influence around you. We got to be our own province. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although I, I love it up there. I love that you guys are a part of us. Yeah, me too, man. We're we're connected by the bridge. Yeah, no, there wasn't. I mean, there was probably shows that I was unaware of, but I didn't even know of like a local scene at all until I was about 14. Like the first rapper that I knew about other than Classified from Nova Scotia was Jay Main. He had, he had like such a junior high school fan base in where I went like I'm maybe beyond like high school as well or whatever like probably beyond that too of course but like I knew a bunch of people that I went to like that were in the same grade as me like 2011 like ninth grade that were like they loved <laughs> they loved Jay Main man it was and then it put me onto it so that was like honestly the first because I remember he came down to Dominion and he did a show and I remember I was away playing soccer, so I, I didn't get to go to it. But I remember like people, like all my friends were like stoked. And it was like, I thought he was like mega famous. <laughs> he he kind of was, man. Like the Chop Trees persona, the Chop Trees series, the whole like, um, he kind of hit that, not to say that he rode the Wiz Khalifa train, but his style of music and his persona kind of came out in and around that time. Probably before, honestly, but I always kind of like his his image just hit so many people from so many different backgrounds. So it's really funny you say that because he was an early influence for a lot of people here in town. But whenever you talk to people that are from out Enfield, up in the valley, down the South Shore, Jay Main is somebody that comes to mind. So that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, man. And you're right about that. The whole Wiz Khalifa, you know, Taylor gang, everyone should smoke weed kind of trend you know like that was that was literally that was probably like when he was really uh popular with people that i went to school with um was around the same time like was gleeful was putting out like cushion orange juice and and stuff and that just whole like really like like relaxed like moody sound like was really was really popular so yeah that was like kind of like the first artist that were from nova scotia that was well first artist that i was familiar with and then i was kind of familiarizing myself with other rappers from Halifax just off of like whoever was featured on his like Chop Trees mixtape series and uh I'm trying to remember man like but like then I started finding out about like like Mr. Mac and Jofo which are rappers from Glace Bay I started collaborating with them and stuff at when I was putting out my second mixtape or second project when I was like 16 I started kind of reaching out because I already had like 15 20 songs that were out on YouTube and I had a mixtape on Dapiff and you know I was really like studying like who are the other people that are doing what I'm doing right now in different regions or even here and then I started collaborating a little bit more I mean I had Jay Main on my uh, third mixtape I think like a year after I started putting stuff out like I already was into like almost my third project and when I was 16 and then I had like rappers from you know, Cape Breton on my stuff and a few other from Halifax. Like I'm trying to remember, I like Beats from City Natives, and I had Chevy Price, and uh, these are like old songs. I don't even know if they're like publicly accessible. They might be on like my Bandcamp 
from like 2015 that I don't use anymore. But of course, man, of course, it, it's kind of cool hearing you talk about Drake being your early influence. I mean, we're we have a bit of an age discrepancy between us. I'm 30. I'm almost 31. And you're 22, I believe. It's it's cool to me to hear not not calling you young or the younger generation, but it's cool for me to hear the younger generation, I guess I've, I'm being blunt now. Um, talk about who influenced them because when Drake first came out, I was so like, I was like knees deep into hip hop at that point. Like it was my life. It was my breath. And when an artist like him came around, it it left me a lot of open interpretations because I knew who he was from Degrassi. And I know that that age gap between us, you probably weren't really familiar with Degrassi when Drake first came out. I could be wrong. I might be hating on your pop culture knowledge, but, um, (laughs) it's, you're right. It, it, but no, it, it's, it's, it's just, it always resonated with me that you talk about your youth in your music as well. And, and you talk about how you know that you're growing up and you're dealing with all that stuff. Was that something that came with your early records? Was that something that you always talked about? I think so, man. I, th- I think I was like... I know that's a heavy question. <laughs> no, it, it is. Well, it kind of, it kind of deranged from uh, Drake's earlier career and my familiarity with it to my my mental state in a different perspective, I think. I think my music has always been very like honest with current scenarios and where I stand and, and, and being very reflective. And then also like looking forward a lot of it is like oh like this is the situation right now and i'm grateful for these things happening but this is what i want to happen and this is where it's gonna happen although this scenario is a challenge and like i think that that's always been consistent in my stuff like even if i could go back and like play music from you know five years ago or whatever or yeah like six years ago like it's it's always been like a almost like the odds are against me but I'm believing in myself to surpass these ob- objectives. And, and I think, yeah, I think, I think that's always been a thing really. Like I've, I've made fun songs of course, and, and somewhat ignorant songs that are intentionally ignorant too. But like, you know, I can never, I can never lie in my, in my music. Yeah, like, yeah. I never. You took the words out of my mouth. I was actually going to say later on, that was the thing about your music is that it feels like it's authentic. Yeah, I don't know how to do anything else but that, really. Like, I can try to do a beat that's not something I usually rap on. Like, I could rap on anything, really. Like, I'm not really one of those guys that's like, I can't do that unless it's just, I just don't, I really don't like the beat. But, like, yeah, I don't, like, it doesn't, like, I don't really, I, I kind of bounce around with different sounds that I like. But uh, at, at the end of the day, every verse, the, the, like, regardless of my delivery, if it's aggressive, if it's, you know, more relaxed. I don't know, but like, it'll always be that version of me. It's like, there's many different personalities and different versions of everyone. It's just like different styles are how I communicate that for myself. Um, how did you uh, process this? How were, how were the early mixtapes and albums processed, if you will? Like, did you do everything at home? Did you have a friend who had a studio? Did you actually pay for studio time? How did the, the early Mitchell Bailey songs find the airwaves? Um, so I, when I first started, like when I first ever started recording, like I bought a USB mic from Longa McQuaid and I remember like I was, we were, I was, I was with my friends and I was so hyped because when I was 15, when I first started wanting to record, like I wanted to come out as a group. Like I wanted my friends that I hung out with all the time that were like equally very into rap music to do it with me. And they would all write their verses and some of them were, were like, were good, but like. 
they just I always wanted to be like, oh, it's, it's Friday. We're going to your place. We're going to record. And then it like never <laughs> like what happened. Like it would just be kind of like me by myself being like, all right, like we would definitely have nights where we would like turn up and like make these hilarious freestyle songs and stuff. But I just I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to do this myself. You had the confidence of the group. Yeah, I mean, everyone. Yeah, I think everyone had confidence, but I just don't think everyone was as, as interested in making it like and wanting to do it as I was, um, which is fine, you know. Um, so yeah, I was just like, whatever. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do this, and you know. Um, so I was recording my own stuff, but like, I w- I didn't know how to mix or anything, and I still don't really. I don't to this day. Um, but like, I just don't really want to try and wear too many hats and then have, you know, my writing and, and, and songwriting, like my songwriting get better and my songs get better, but my mixing get worse because I'm trying to do it all myself. Like, I feel like I'll save that for a rainy day. Um, so yeah, when I first started, like a guy that I went to school with, um, he was like, he still is like, he's like a musical genius. Like he like learns instruments for like, it's video games, like. Uh, or like he's just like he just he's crazy and he was uh his name's shout out to matthew nicholson very talented guy but he recorded my first mixtape when i was 15 we called it uh early morning cartoons and uh yeah i would just go over his house in the weekends and it was just so sick like he he was doing it because he it was just fun and we were hanging out eating hot dogs and uh we made a whole mixtape and it came out in the summer and i remember um i would go to staples and buy the blank CDs and my uh, good friend, Mitch Turner, who does all of my cover art and graphics and a lot of the remix videos I've been putting out to this day. Um, he, we would go back to his place and like he designed always the cover art and then we would like print it off and like cut it out and like make the CDs and like get like the disc printer thing and like put the artwork on the CDs and stuff. And then, when we first, that was like the first CD ever. So that was all, that was like August, 2013. And, uh, I would sell them for like $5, which I should have been selling them for more, but I was like, Nope, we're starting out with $5, you know, like that was a lot. And then, uh, throughout the fall, I kept recording with Matthew. And then I was also recorded a little bit with, uh, Malcolm McLeod, who he owns a, uh, a bakery, like a donut shop and a pub here. It has like 40 different, uh, 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 brand, like, craft beer brands here and uh it's called the bit moon sweet side of the moon but he also great producer i'll show you it if you're if you ever come down here but uh um yeah so i recorded him a bit and then so that's late 2013 and then i met sean lewis who produces all of my stuff right now and he produced like season one two three last time i introduced myself and he you know, it, you know, he's been a part of my team for, I've known him for almost six years now, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, but I started recording with him basically a year after I put out my first song. So 11th grade, like end of 11th grade, 2014, you know, I, someone recommended him to me and then I went over his place, you know, paid him the $20 an hour studio time and started recording. And then that was my go-to spot, Whitney Pier. And then, you know, we made a whole project together he didn't produce any of the songs but he engineered everything and then yeah we started working together now we just organically collaborate he's like a part of young superstars and stuff and we just hang out and make music and it's all for the benefit of each other's careers and stuff but um so that that's like my yeah recording journey 
<laughs> you actually uh, just said something I was going to bring up later on in the show, actually, about the young superstars. I've kind of noticed it from afar. I haven't really dug into the whole, what is the Young Superstars? Tell the people what Young Superstars is all about. Young Superstars is, I have like, so Young Superstars is an incorporated entity in Nova Scotia. So it's a business, essentially. And it's been very helpful to have like a registered company for myself as an artist. Like we, they like, we registered when I was in to, back in 2015, actually. So I was like seven, I was 17. So I actually don't even think I could like legally have been like a shareholder or um, director of the company then, but I am obviously now, but um, that we registered, we registered it to have a more official approach with just different revenue streams for like throughout my music career and other stuff um, that we were offering at the time. We're actually doing, we're going through like a lot of, uh, uh, inner inner company changes right now and stuff and i feel like we're kind of undergoing like a little bit of a rebrand that i'm going to be kind of announcing and launching soon that's going to be like solely focused within the music industry because i wanted to because it was kind of all over the place it's like are we doing you know events and, sh- and music and studio time and pr and video like where it's a, it was like kind of like all over the place when we were like launching a website and stuff in late 2018 and you know always was you know a positive uh, positive direction and had great intentions and stuff. But now I feel like it's like the circle is kind of not smaller, but like more focused on one, one objective. And there's kind of like new people getting involved and some people, um, you know, doing their own thing and that's great. Um, so yeah, but I think it's going to be more of like a record label moving forward. Cause in a sense, that's like the easiest way to describe it is a record label and the artist right now are me and Sean basically but I have other other artists that I'm starting to uh I'm starting to work with that are just getting started but are like incredibly talented so I want them to basically be like the next members of young superstars and I want to like properly announce that and help them like you know develop their image as an artist and like understand how to kind of operate a little bit more professionally and get them developed and stuff because I've learned so much myself and I'm obviously still growing, but I want to be able to also bring up other people too. From the outside looking in, just listening to you talk and it sounds like you guys kind of threw it together to see what came about. But in the end, it was the thing that brought you all together. The music that ended up being the, the general focus of the group by taking that step back and focusing on the music, you almost take a step forward because you're just going to end up back into your different business entities that you were in before you guys decided to rebrand. So um, it sounds like you guys have a head on your shoulders with experience already at such a young age. So I think that'll work well for you. Is it a business and friendship type of thing? Like, how did you mix that? How did you make that work? Because it was kind of one of the things in my very, very young and flash in the pan rap career that kind of ruined it was that our friends got competitive. How did you guys kind of keep that leveled? Well, I think that, um, so when you, when you mentioned that, like, were your friends also doing music? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was probably what that could have been the reason because you guys were all occupying the same art form where yeah. with our group, uh, for the last, like, since its inception, it's like everyone did something different. Like, there wasn't really two of some, uh, two people doing the same thing or competing to offer the same value. Like, so you guys were like an odd future. 
unofficial. Yeah, I guess. But well, I mean, our future definitely definitely had various artists that did music in it as well. Yeah. But with 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 our group and like the when it when it was at the point where we had the most people involved, everybody did like I made music and performed, and you know there was graphic design, there was video, and there was like business manager, and then there was studio and then there was like pr so there was like a person that filled each role there essentially but now it's kind of like me artist performer you know entertainer all these like publicly pushed things and then like business manager and then like booking agent event planner and then like studio that's like i I feel like i'm in like a point where i'm just like i need to like (laughs) <laughs> like young superstars is it's happening right now but it's like i'm not there yet to like really confirm everything that i'm saying but everything's still fun everything's yeah, still yeah, good all the same yeah. people are still around and can offer that that service when needed but uh oh and that's just it yeah. too like when 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 we kind of stopped making music in our circle um some of the other guys tried to branch out and i mean it's cool that not again, I'm not trying to call you young, but at a young age, you recognize your graph artist, for example, and the whole process of actually making the physical copy of the disc and you recognize your, your video people and your producers. I think that's something that has become a little more popular in recent times, but I feel like with everybody's doing music now, so there's more people that have forgotten. And I feel like what happened with our group was some of the guys that kind of stopped rapping and drifted away from the group, they got into the production. They got into the mastering and they got into the graphic arts. They got into the promoting. So you guys, even with the, even with your group, maybe kind of branching off, even though everybody's cool, I think it's all going to come back together probably. So like I said, man, I think you guys are, are doing the right thing, even if it's just the two of you, because it sounds like you have direction and planning for the future. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, it, well, the, the thing is with Young Superstars, it was always just like, it seemed like it was all like the it's hard to explain but it always was like like that was like my pride and joy like it was like this is my movement thing you know and i think everybody always wants to always be growing their own thing and i don't want to hold them back from from being able to do that but this is like definitely solely like one of my um projects that i'm going to continue building and it's going to be associated to mitchell bailey and and stuff and we have like a a solid like group of three that's communicating right now but like the actual different like mo- like business aspects like is it like like business aspects as far as like you know i basically i, I want young superstars to be recognized by the end of this year it'll be also recognized more publicly than it ever was i think like we had t-shirts and hats in the past that I think symbolized like us traveling to South by Southwest to perform and like raising money for that. And we were like young kids that were like working hard towards something. And, but I think that now um, the branding behind young superstars is going to look a little bit more like adult, you know, a little bit more, it's going to carry a little bit more weight because I have been doing this for a few years now. And I have certain accolades that we, you know, with the help of a lot of genuine supporters achieved and I really am grateful for that. But now I kind of want to be like, I think that this is my year because I've been releasing music for the most part every single week, whether it's just a remix on YouTube or it's original music. And I have a lot of original music coming out for the next few months um, that I want to really be able to do like 
some collaborations this year with with Canadian artists that are like you know like that they're, they're established like I want to like lo- like really sim- like solidify certain collabs that'll like push me nationwide and I really want to get more exposure on the west coast cuz I've still never been to the west coast and performed or even in general in the first place but like as I continue to grow more I want to be able to have a, a developing core of artists that are represented by young superstars like not like below me but like kind of growing under the resources that I can help give them. Yeah, no, that, that's just it. Like you're developing a legacy for lack of better terms. Like there's, there might be some kids in, in junior high or even younger right now that have seen your music on YouTube or, or may not even know who you are, but eventually when they do their research, they see that there's this guy from Holy shit from my hometown who's doing this young superstars. Let me connect with these guys. Like you guys are, are developing a legacy and creating a platform for the next generation too. Yeah, I hope so. That's the, and that's what I wanted to, and I'm going to take, I'm going to put in the effort to, to make that known. I think like, um, but it's all like, but you've got great support. You've got, you've got great supporters. Like I, I know that I know you call them fans, but I, I, like I said, your music is really personal. So I feel like when I'm reading your comments on Instagram and Facebook and on your YouTube videos and stuff, whether these people know you or not, they feel like they're your friends. So I feel like your direction with what you just said, you have supporters that are going to push that. And I think my, and you make a great point there. And I think what I like to do is, um, I, I lately like more so recently than ever i mean obviously when i was younger the whole objective is like oh i want to be mega famous i want to be drake i want to be have top 40 songs and like you know what i mean like and that's fine and i'm never going to be against that but um i think it's super e like it's a lot easier and not eat like i'm never going for like the easiest option but it's like it's, it's like in the meantime because you can't you can't actually like calculate something like that happening but like I can you know I do have control over releasing as much quality material as possible and also connecting with every individual that comments or that shares like when I did my Facebook live stream the other night like we were on Instagram live after we got off that and stuff and I finally got a chance to like look at my phone there was like 330 comments on the live that people that commented during the live right so I went, I, I took the time, took about 20 minutes and I just liked every single comment and I replied to a few that kind of stood out. But like, I think it's a lot more beneficial to be able to have like, you know, get to a point where you have like 1,000 like dedicated fans or 10,000 dedicated fans that will buy tickets to every single show you do or, you know what I mean? Or buy every t-shirt you put out and, and share it with their friends and like really get a like move and then they want to support and they want it, they feel like they're a part of what you're doing they're on your team like and i'll forever try to communicate and will communicate with every single person that comments on my videos or shares my stuff or whatever and until like i can't you know but um i think that that's more that's way more powerful and like from a business sense profitable like have like super hardcore fans that love everything will tune in for everything instead of having like a million like wishy-washy fans or 10 million, you know, that come and go because you're the hottest thing right now and then you're not in six months. You know, I, I'd rather have people like that. I, I can do whatever. I can release a music video four in the morning and they'll, they'll watch, you know, like I'm not saying I have that right this instant, but that's the kind of fan base that I want to grow. 
straight up, straight up. Well, I mean, it's always it's always good to to dream bigger than you got. You definitely put on for your fans. You support your fans, like you just said. Taking that time to like every comment that lets that person know that you at least saw, and then you taking the time to actually reply to some of those people. If you don't know those people, they might be from wherever. I mean, like you've been around the world. You were just talking about South by Southwest. Those connections mean way more than people think. And we have that advantage in this social media era where musicians have way more opportunities to make these connections. I scratch my head at musicians who don't take the opportunities to do it. So it's good to see that you're you're taking advantage of that. Um, in regards to that, growing up, did you have anybody who kind of told you that this was a bad idea? How were how were your people in your family? Were they supportive? Were they trying to talk you out of it? Um, are they rap fans too? How how did the connection with your family um, relate with the music? That's a great question. And I've answered that question before, but I feel like I haven't answered <laughs> that question like years. So it, was, I love it was part of the, not to cut you off, it was part of the, the live show that I loved. The first one was that every couple of minutes, like somebody was, you could, you could, somebody was behind the screen watching you. And I mean, we were talking about how you had no crowd and it was difficult trying to get the hang of it, but I think it was cool that you had that support. So yeah, talk about that. Sorry, bro. Oh, that's fine, man. Um, and back to the last question I was just uh, adding more on to as well, like with the, yeah. resp- like liking all the comments and responding to every individual yep. that comments, like it almost sounds like when I'm saying it or, you know, someone thinks that like, oh, he's being so like, because people perceive an artist that is very interactive with their fans to be like, oh, he's so generous. He reaches out back to his fans. It's like, no, I love that. Like, I, yeah. I feed off that. Like, I need that. Like, I'm not saying I need that, like, solely to, like, exist. But, I mean, like, it shows me that things are going in the right direction of where I exactly. manifested them and want them to go and where I'm working for the music to go in that direction. So, when I see a, a lot more comments or comments, I will – I take, like, that's a priority to respond to them all because I'm, like, very grateful that they're even there in the first place. But I think that I was always very conscious of – other like uh, I, I was I never really care about other people's opinions and I would never let that dictate what I do but I'm conscious of it and I know if mm. like like I'm never the type to like like do really like depend like I, I won't I won't like rap at the dinner table at like thanksgiving if so like I, i'm not like one of those people that's like this is what i love and everyone needs to know all the time like but i'm i will i'm confident in the fact that that's what i enjoy doing and like that is what i'm what i, I think like what i'm good at and um but when i started like i think i was always preparing myself for that response so yeah i felt like kind of like uncomfortable sometimes like playing my parents my rap songs because it was just like so unexpected and, and, and weird but like eventually like that just became like my identity and they both understand and my whole family knows that you know that is my talent and that is what my passion is and it's I think it's gotten to a point where they know like they've seen my persistence and have seen the positive things that have come from it with traveling to perform and and just music videos and you know, the show that I did in my hometown that a lot of people came out for, like the theater my grandfather worked at for like 50 years. And like now I'm doing a show there, like one of the last shows he ever worked at before he like retired. So um, 
yeah, I think that everything came around full circle, you know, so I don't have any, there's no doubters. There's no, there's no haters, like not in my family and not really, to be honest, like I'm sure there is, I mean, why would there be? But like, like I don't, uh, people are so quick to be like, Oh man, like anytime if someone's negative says something, like if someone says something negative and they're like, Oh man, like, look at this, like, what are you going to say back? Or like, why would he say that? Or why did they not pick you? Like, like, I hate, I hate, like, I hate when people tell me about negative shit, like that. It's like, I don't care that that person feels that way and I'm not going to respond, but like, why would someone tell me about something that's just going to make me either angry or not feel good? You know what I mean? So that's a really good point, man, because like, it's one thing to be able to channel out the, the negative reactions to your music. It's another thing for people to not respect the fact that you try to channel that out and they're like, yo, this guy's hating on your comment. Or like one of the ones that I remember, because when I started rapping is when YouTube was really starting to go boom and you could put your music on and, and it would last for a while before you get the, uh, the old copyright claim for using somebody else's beat. But you know, you could have a thousand likes on your video, but it was that one or two dislikes and it kind of stuck in your head. Right. So that's kind of cool that you, you already yeah. know that that is not something you want to deal with. And then even beyond that, you don't even want to deal with the people who possess that energy to show you that. So I respect that, man. I appreciate that. And it's not like, you know, if someone shows me something negative that they saw someone say, they bring it to my attention that I don't like the person that showed me it. Yeah. I understand you're just like, they care about me. They're looking out and for they, it, exactly. They get more offended than I do because I deal, I respond to everybody every day. Like I post everything and I, you know, I'm engaging constantly on social media and I'm writing the songs and putting the songs out and, and, and doing the stuff. So it's like, I can't have my like mental positive stability, like interrupted by like just shit. Like I, I'm more of the type of person, a person that gets frustrated about someone's intentions more than what they did yeah if that makes sense like why no, that's, that's a good mentality to have very good mentality to have yeah so and, and and usually it's just because people are just impulsively reacting to things but as far as like like negativity when i first started releasing music and doing my thing i think like anyone that had uh anyone that had an issue or that was just like who does this guy think he is like fuck this guy whatever they they never said much to me yeah. they never like and it's not like oh they were scared it's just like that's just how the general population is if someone doesn't like you or someone doesn't like what you're doing you know for whatever reason they're probably not going to say it to to your face because it's just like that's a whole uncomfortable interaction but i always felt like if someone had a problem with me personally um I, w I would always love to like have a conversation and, and I knew it wasn't for a reason. Like if it yeah. was like, Oh, but like, I just don't like he's cocky or whatever. Like, or he, why does he think he could do this? Or like, I always felt like if I could sit down with them and have a conversation that they would leave that conversation, not feeling that way. Cause it always seemed like people that had an issue with me didn't know me. I, I can relate to that tenfold, bro. <laughs> yeah. Tenfold. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and musically, 
I, I can't really relate to you musically because you've eclipsed anything I've ever even imagined that could have done in my very, like I said, my very brief career. But that was something that used to just, it was like nails on a chalkboard for me. I would just love to be in front of the person, quote unquote, talking shit, just so you get to know who I am and what my intentions are. Because I guarantee you, once we're done talking, we're probably going to be shaking hands. And next time you see me, we're probably going to go have a drink. It's, yeah. it's, I've always find that so much hate and negativity comes from people that don't actually know the situation. A hundred percent, man. And I've never been the type of person to look at that solution you just mentioned as a bad thing. Yeah. Like there's so many people that are just so like enwrapped in their idea, like, of like masculinity and, 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 and like guys, especially like if there's an issue, like fuck them, we got to fight. <laughs> like, it's like <laughs> it's, people that do that, like, are like, you are having a temper tantrum because you are incapable of communicating like a reasonable human being. So you have to resort to that. And I mind you, there's scenarios, I guess, where it could be a little bit more justified, but it's like, if you if someone has an issue with someone and like that's the thing like you you should be able to to, to talk it out yep. you know and and be able to control yourself enough to at least agree to disagree or you know come to an understanding so that was always my way of of dealing with with conflict and stuff and there was a period too where like um when i was 19 where like i was doing stuff that I think I was just like, I just thought the world was just mine. Like, I mean, for lack of a better explanation, I mean, I still feel like that. Everyone should feel like that. But like, I just thought like things were happening so easily without me having to really think about how they were happening. Yeah. Like even financially or like just certain people that were helping me like get approved for certain things to take me to play. And like, I was just like kind of in this like matrix of like, going to Atlanta and Texas and Miami and coming back and being like, holy shit, my life is crazy. Yeah. And I'm 18 and, and I can, and I'm just recording and it's selling hats and, and <laughs> doing <laughs> random shows. Like, and it was fun. And, uh, but I think because I was just so excited, I get excited so much with the slightest stuff still. Like I love just progressing and I love watching something grow, you know, and, I think that that made certain people that I went to, like I was still, still like recently graduated from high school. So I still had like, there was a lot of people that I went to high school with still in that high school mentality where they were paying attention to everything that everyone was doing that they went to high school with, where I wasn't really even doing that towards the end of high school. I couldn't wait to, to graduate. Um, so then there was like certain, like people would just like, not even for that. I went to high school with like just people that would be like, Oh, you know, fuck Mitchell Bailey. He doesn't count as hip hop, like because he didn't grow up in a like a shitty neighborhood or something. Yeah. It's just like, what does that have to do with my work exactly. ethic or my music? And uh, I remember I put out this song that was like, because there was like shit, like like rappers that like 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 shitty rappers that diss me, and no disrespect, but like they weren't good, yeah. and everyone could attest to that and if they were good i would say that they were good but it was just like people that were just like looking for attention at the time because it was a different time and people were much younger than they are now so it was a, you know people mature a lot from 18 to 22 you know it's like 
it's only four years, but you know, lots, a lot of shit happens for people yeah. in those years, but you know, but I put, I was like you, yeah, continue. Or you, you kind of ended up being like the bull with the target. Like you, you were both the bull and the target. You were running through the game, but you also had the target on your back. And, and like, I'm not trying to compare the town I grew up with to, to where you grew up, but you know, Eastern Passage and Glace Bay kind of sound similar in the sense that, you know, we had a couple of really dope MCs. I was really good. Um, Robbie Mosier, he, he goes by Mosh. He was really good. Uh, Nick Jordan, he went by Jick Norton. He was really good. Yeah, I know him. We were all, yeah, you know, Jick, yeah. And, and I mean, like, we were all buddies. Um, and, and we all made songs together. And, and, you know, as time went on, of course, we all fell out and things happened. But for the core of our rap careers, quote unquote, and, and Jick is still going as far as I know. Um, there was never really internal music beef between us. Like we were the, the circle of our friends that actually stuck together, but it was because we respected what one another did, but we always had people kind of nipping at our heels who were jealous of the attention and the respect that we were getting from outside of town that it was just, we never, we never even paid much attention to it because we just knew it was them trying to catch a buzz. Yeah, definitely. And, um, like it's not a cocky thing either. It's like it's not an ego thing. It's just it's it's knowing who you are. Yeah, totally, man. And you know, um, yeah, you, you summed it up pretty much, man. I kind of lost my train of thought there. I knew, I think I was going into something else, but I, yeah, what I was gonna say actually, now that I remember, I because I, I never responded to individual with this is because I just even then I knew that it was pointless because it was like yeah. this is like a year after the whole Drake and and Meek Mill thing and like just the like the strategy behind you know Drake's approach to that was just very I just love when people that are you know people that are at the top of a of a certain industry or a certain scenario like the not the underdog like they get you know people someone that's undefeated like in a sports team or whatever like yeah. they get challenged and like you know and then they they rise to the challenge you don't expect them to and they still win and they make you realize why they were in that position in the first place so i think like watching the drake and meek mill thing because that's kind of what happened it was like oh here's this pop star guy that everyone thinks is soft and like but he's still like the most successful you know you're universally known artist in this scenario and here's the other guy that's like hip-hop purist like all really like and and they would they would put their money on this guy to really you know give this other guy a run for his money and he didn't do that and you know the, the dude that was on top showed how versatile he really is so i have no idea why i'm using that as an example but like just like just knowing how to react under pressure in certain scenarios like um because i think the most controversy i had to deal with with music related things was like in that 2015 2016 span of like when like i was just out of nowhere like i was doing a lot more stuff in halifax and like i moved to halifax briefly and like I was doing the Atlanta stuff and I was on the South by Southwest showcase and all this shit. And that was new to me. And it was new to the people that had been following me. And that was how they were introduced to me. And, um, you know, obviously I've capitalized on that and done a lot more since, but that was like an entrance level thing. So any kind of like relationships that I had prior to that and people that might've just felt a certain way for some reason, like, you know, it, that was when they kind of let their, emotions out and stuff and i had to figure out how to deal with it and nothing ever really turned into anything but like um i remember i released a disc 
but I never like directly targeted anyone or said any names. Like anyone could listen to it and not know who I was talking about because I didn't want to give any of these people that I would see talking shit uh, any kind of acknowledgement to the audience that I was growing because why would I do that? You know, that's probably what you want. They might they might want that without even realizing that's what they want. But anyway, yeah. um, and I remember I put it out. It was like called it's still on my SoundCloud called Message to Haters. It came out in 2016, and it was like I was just going in, bro. Like it's like three and a half minutes, and it's like I even like do that like loot like the Eminem Eight Mile thing where it's like you acknowledge everything they could say negatively about you, like all that stuff, and it's like. You know, oh, yeah, of course, I, yeah, I grew up middle class. And, oh, when I turned 16, maybe my parents did get me a, a shitty car or something. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. It's like, you, yeah, this is, like, the stuff you could say. But this is what I'm going to say about you. And, I'm, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, confidently showcase my ability and, and all that stuff. And I remember putting it out. and Yeah, so that was, like, the most I've ever, like, actually fed into hate and negativity and, and drama and stuff. Yeah, but you just mentioned South by Southwest, actually. That was kind of the next topic I wanted to get at. And you also mentioned how you had a lot of support from your family after the fact because you were able to take music to that next level where you were able to, I'm sure at first, come to Halifax and maybe go into New Brunswick. And then uh, you said you were in Atlanta, you were in Texas, and I saw you were just recently vacationing down in Panama. What is that 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 feeling of accomplishment, traveling, being a part of a music scene somewhere else? How's that feel? It makes me realize like that my music is like is good everywhere. <laughs> For lack of a better explanation, because sometimes you're just like it's like people love me here or people are coming to my shows here and, and sharing my music here. It's like, oh, because yes, I know that they like it and I know that, but I'm like, oh, is it also because they know I'm from the same place or relatively the same place as them. And I know that's not really the case, but, um, you know, when I, I almost find I get way more of an immediate response that's positive whenever I perform somewhere in the States, like, or, or it's even a better, um, crowd interaction. Like, because when I went to Dallas in November, 2019 for the, for, um, the showcase, that uh, this guy I was back and forth with for a bit. He put together like a, it's called Made With No Deal. You guys can go follow them on Instagram. It's cool. They do a lot of like stuff for, like a lot of advice stuff for independent artists and they're, they're growing their brand. And yeah, so when I went to Texas in November and I did this showcase, like I was headlining it. So like, I think a lot of other artists and, and music, like people like their managers or maybe their producer or whatever, because there was a conference beforehand and myself and uh, my my business partner and the guy who's been with me since I was 16, Mickey Freeman, we kind of talked about the inception of like what Young Superstars is and the certain things that we've accomplished over the years and how we come, we came together to collectively work to achieve things and all this shit. But then I did the showcase and performed. And uh, I think, yeah, like I was saying, like a lot of people that were, ever, mostly everyone that was there was either from Texas or Dallas. There might have been like, there was an artist I knew that came from Chicago and stuff. But like I was the last performer of the night. And, you know, after I was done, it was crazy, man. Like, they were coming up to me, oh, that was unbelievable. Like, oh, that, that. Like, it was, like, everyone that was there. And it was not, like, a huge, huge show. Like, but, every, like, there was people, there was definitely people there. And it, but it was, like, kind of almost felt like it was intimate. We were all into it together. And it was, like, a party. And it was, like, 
it was super cool, man, to be like all the way out in Dallas. And like even some of the people that were there like already were familiar with some of the songs because they were looking forward to the event so much that they were, you know, doing research and everyone that was like performing and stuff. And then all of those people that were there, like now they all follow me on Instagram and now they all comment on my stuff and share it, and you know, and, and I'm definitely going to go back down there and I can see Dallas being the first city in the States. And I could say that to like really accept well, not like accept, like, cause I haven't went any like elsewhere and they didn't accept it, but like, to like actually be like, you know, um, perceiving it and like really enjoying it. And, and, and like, that's like the first city to really show me love. Yeah. Embrace, embracing your sound. Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Embracing. And, and it's, it's cool too, because Dallas is, it, it is Texas. It's the deep South. It's a different world than, than we would know, but at the same time, Dallas is different than a lot of the other big cities in the South where it, it has its own kind of personality. And, and it's such a big city that you could find any lane in that city and be successful musically. Hip hop, country, rock, blues, jazz, you name it. My, my dad's a big Cowboys fan. So I was always kind of influenced by some of the music that came from Texas that they would play on, on Fox and CBS and NBC whenever the Cowboys were playing growing up. And when my grandmother went down to visit a few years ago, rest her soul, she said that that was one of her favorite cities she ever visited between there and, and San Antonio. So it, it doesn't surprise me that you say that about Dallas, even though I've never been there, because any any things I've heard about Dallas is all positive vibes. Yeah, man, it, it was like it wasn't even the what you probably assume it to be when you're looking at it from like geographical perspective like in the states like you picture like texas the south like everyone has guns and they're you know racist and like shit like that you know what i mean but it i don't know like i didn't we were all i mean we're in the city too so it's probably like one of the more progressive locations in this in that area but you know it wasn't uh i didn't really feel like it was like this down south thing it's actually was it was cold man the first day we got there in november it was it was cold like it was like it was weird but then like the last day we were there it was pretty nice it was probably like 20 degrees celsius this is november too and then the rest it was it was it was definitely warmer than it was here so it was like it was a really cool vibe talking about it right now i'm like damn i really do want to go back there because they're doing other events and stuff this year that i can perform at whenever i want and stuff so i might go and you know kind of double down on growing that audience out in, in texas but yeah like you said um it's yeah, you get a lot of connections and stuff from from doing stuff elsewhere. And I think it's really important, man. Traveling is just really important in general. Like when I went to Panama in February, it was just a good opportunity and it was like a good time to, to, to capitalize on doing that. I went with my girlfriend, Lindsay. Shout out to her. Um, but uh, it was fun. Shout out to Lindsay. Shout out <laughs> to Lindsay. Honestly, she's the shit people. If you're not familiar with Mitchell's music or his career, I was going to ask him later. We'll probably talk about it after, but this man's girlfriend is like publicly supports this dude's music better than any girlfriend I think I've ever seen support their man's music. So she'll love up. that, man. I'm gonna show her this, and she'll she'll be good, stoked. Good, because um, like I, anytime like you guys make posts and stuff, I'm just like, yeah, I can appreciate this. That's real. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's dope, man. I love hearing that. That's sick. Um, what? Yeah, but even going to going to Panama was was cool, man. Like, I've always like really like been into central america for some reason because i feel like everyone goes down south and they go to like and i would go to dominican republic and i go to cuba too but i'm always like i want to go to the place that i don't know anyone 
has went to. And I feel like I was looking because I was just looking on Expedia and I was like, where, you know, I was looking <laughs> at Cuba too, bro. Don't get me wrong. It's cheap to go. But then I, the oh, Panama yeah. was mom, mom goes every year. Yeah. But Panama was like, it was like a good price flights, hotel. Uh, it's, they use the American dollar down there. So it's, it's not complicated. Like you don't have to figure out what that conversion rate is to like pesos or, and have like a bunch of crazy cash on you. And you don't even know what the, differences it was like it was very easy it, it felt like in a an american city kind of but everyone speaks spanish and uh but like decent enough english <laughs> and there's, there's some american cities where pretty much everybody speaks spanish too honestly so. like dallas <laughs> yeah that, my, my, my grandmother said dallas every other person was hispanic speaking and um i think she said miami as well was yeah. uh, pretty much everybody spoke Spanish. More people spoke Spanish than English, but that's that culture, right? And and I always feel bad for people that can't or don't travel, right? So they yeah. don't they don't have the opportunity to experience that different culture. Was that something that you, I guess, had planned when it came to music? I know that you said early on you wanted to be the biggest thing ever, and now more recently you've settled into what you can be through young superstars and, and through your platform. But was, was travel always something that you said, I'm going to do this through music or did it just kind of happen? Like you said, you were making the opportunities and connections happen. Oh, I mean, well, don't get it twisted. I still am planning on being the biggest thing ever, (laughs) but, 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 uh, but you know, but when I say that, what, what I mean, what I mean is when I, when I do say that, when I did say that, what I meant was when I was 18, I thought that was like the only way to, be successful yeah but like there's so many in like i'm so i'm so like like recently i've been watching everything with like snack the ripper and i don't really even know much about his music but i love the fact that he owns his own business and like he doesn't even use promoters when he books shows and he just goes directly to the venue with his team and they just set it up and like he goes and tours europe and has tons of people there and like but he controls his whole shit he keeps all like there's so much like yeah. I really like the idea of being independent and owning a business and ma- and becoming as successful as possible from my music and keeping control of everything. I'm not a big fan of the guy, but I always kind of there's there's tons of obviously Canadian hip hop pioneers that really started this. But in the social media era and like I said, I'm not a big fan of the guy. So I hope if he hears this, he ain't going to hate hate on me. But um, <laughs> I Peter, don't know Peter much Jackson, of his music, bro. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about someone Peter else. Jackson? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Jackson. Yeah. Peter Jackson. He's his MC from Toronto. Oh, I know. And, yeah. and I know. He yeah. Is. And, and he, 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 I honestly give him a lot of respect and credit for developing that, that kind of direction. What you just said, like, I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to call people. I'm going to go to offices. I'm going to bring my music. I'm going to bring my merch. I'm going to bring my vision. He, really inspired a lot of Toronto rappers to stay independent, which is why as as big as the Toronto scene is, it's not as big as it could be, but the guys are getting their money. The guys are making their, their money off of social media. There's no labels getting those cuts in. So it's, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. Like you said you were 18. Like, did you think the record label was the only direction to go? I even at like, when I was like 14 before I was writing, even like I was listening to Kendrick Lamar and Absol and like Joey Badass and Pro Era and like all of these guys that were always questioning the actual system of things, I, I think. And I was always, I'm always one of those like anti, not anti system because I'm like, I understand, like I'm not, I'm not like, I'm like in the middle of like 
you know, try and do it yourself or team up with someone if that makes sense. Like, I'm not like someone to just say no to something without context. Like, I would need to know the context of something. But like, and I still feel like that to this day. But like, even when I was younger, like, I felt like maybe I was just saying it in my grasp because I thought it sounded cool. Like, oh, I don't need a label. Like, I don't need a manager. I'm just going to do this shit by myself because that's the cool thing to say and do. But like, you know, um, uh, I think maybe at 18, like maybe I just I've never been someone that like solely thought that success is based off of the acknowledgement from super established people like you climb like there's there's a lot of artists I know of or I see or people in music or entertainment in general like their whole identity is like shout out to this guy for liking my my post back in November of my video like or just like oh I I'm gonna save up and get a feature or like it, it everything is always just it's not I'm gonna make myself my own brand grow it's like I need to get approval from those ahead of me to like get to that level and that's what's going to validate how good I am and how successful I am is if I can, you know, get on all these radio stations or have this rapper on my song or uh, get a phone call from this A&R at this label that's just going to sign me when I don't really have much to offer them. And then they're going to invest in me and I'm going to owe them money forever. And it's just going to suck. Like I would rather like, I'm more concerned with like how many people support my music and how many fans I have. And instead of like, you know, if I can get a song with uh, Drake or, you know, I mean, and I, and, but then when I say that I'm not against doing that at all, you know, and Drake is like the most extreme example there, but that was just the first name that came to mind. Yeah. I've been out late nights. Thanks to Mitch for taking time away from his busy schedule to talk to us. Don't forget to check out the new single coming out this Friday, it's called All In. Part 2 of this interview will be available next Tuesday, so make sure you tune in for that. This Friday coming, we will have our amazing interview with Matthew Arnone, so please check that out too. Thanks again everyone for listening. We here at the Down the Pub podcast really do appreciate all your support. If you're in need of another sporting fix, check out our friends at the Armchair Commentary podcast. They do a great job over there talking about North American sports. If you head to downthepub.ca, you can subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers.